So we're walking through 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 6. Last week we looked at uh, the thing we all love to talk about, money. But he didn't say anything about giving it to the church. He said... uh, He said, if you don't have it, not to chase wealth. Doesn't define what wealth is, but he says, don't chase wealth. And then he says, if you have wealth, it's okay to enjoy it and to share it. So then he comes to this verse. Now, we're going to look at one verse today, verse 11. He makes this statement. He says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. That is, don't chase money. Don't get out there and go after wealth. Don't do that. And then here's what he says. He tells you what to pursue. And this is for all of us, obviously. Matter of fact, the word pursue is actually here the Greek word for persecute. It's to chase down. So here's what you and I are supposed to chase down. We all have different things that run our lives. There's certain reasons you get up tomorrow and go to work or go to school or do whatever you do. And so here's some things that we have to chase. So we're going to walk all the way through the list Last one's going to sting a little, but we're going to walk through it regardless. He says, But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue, number one, righteousness. Now, he's going to say godliness in the next word, and it seems like maybe those are redundant. They're not at all. The reason you go to heaven after you meet Jesus, when the Holy Spirit tells you that you're a sinner, Jesus is not, and you accept his blood as a payment for your sin, then there are two things that happen in your life instantaneously that are the reason you go to heaven number one all the bad stuff in your life that's recorded is washed away it's gone in the blood of Jesus and the really cool thing about that you can't re-smudge it no matter what you do his blood is there every single day so you can't ever smudge it again there's never going to be anything bad on there that you do because the blood of Jesus holds you free until the day you die So you don't see any smudging. What you do see, though, is up here, righteousness. You see the righteous deeds that Jesus did and the things that he was tempted to do and didn't do, those things are up here, and they are now given to you. So you have two things when you come to Christ. Your sin is just absolutely washed away. And the second thing is, You're given the acts of Jesus Christ, which is why when you die, you step into heaven because you are literally as holy as Jesus is because you're given his holiness and your mess-ups are taken away. He says, chase, here's the first thing, righteousness. So I chase those things that are now in my account. I chase after them. I want to grab them. And I don't want them just in my account. I want them now in my life. I want to be able to act as Jesus did, and I want to stay away from the things Jesus stayed away from. So I want the acts that have been given to me put on my account, I want to chase them and pull them down in my life. There's the first thing. Then he uses the second word. He says, chase godliness. Okay, we've mentioned this word how many times? First Timothy. Eusebian, it is a Greek word that means... Now, I I, want to make this really clear today. What it's not and what it is. It is a Greek word that means I revere God 
Perfect. It was used in pagan religions. <clears throat> that you revere this God so much that you embrace what he values and you stay away from what he devalues. What repulses the Father repulses us. What he believes in honoring, we honor. If <clears throat> I reverence him enough. Now that, that's what you chase. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. You don't chase the story. You chase the Savior. <clears throat> if I'm an atheist or an agnostic or just nominal person, right? The story in the Bible is a good story. There's a God. He loves me. He put us on the cross He's made the payment for my sin. I don't have to do anything to be saved. He gives me his salvation in the grace of Jesus Christ. What a great story. <clears throat> but you're not being godly. The attitude of godliness is not in you if you're motivated by the story. If you're not motivated in a way that it alters your life, then you're not godly. We've got a ton of people that can go sing, cry, great tears, because, again, the story's touching. I mean, I have trouble at the end of Homeward Bound when the dog comes over the hill. <clears throat> That's shameful to admit, but there you go. <clears throat> we get moved by certain stories, and really the story of the New Testament's a great story. So it's understand by how we can weep and cry when we hear and we sing about it, and Steve leaves as well, and we're caught up in the story. Then when we go out and we sleep with our boyfriend, we go out and we lie, we go out and we cheat, we go out and we're bitter and we hate people and we don't forgive and we don't love and we don't value. <clears throat> then I'm caught up in the story, not the Savior. Godliness. So I, I want his acts in my life, and then I want an attitude of godliness where, now listen, the story doesn't tug at my heart. The Savior tugs at my soul. Now, there's a difference between those two things. One thing, a lost person, <clears throat> he can be moved by the story, but the Savior can't tug at his soul. Those of us that have embraced Jesus Christ, we, we don't need to be caught up in the story. We need to be tugged in our souls by the Savior. That's godliness. So I'm going to chase righteousness. I'm going to chase godliness. Now look at, look at the next thing. Faith. Already have faith. Why am I chasing that? It's critical to chase that. And by chasing it, what it means is you run after it until you're able to use it. Do you remember Jesus in Gethsemane, right? Jesus is gone. He's got 11 guys. He leaves eight here, takes the three, tells them to pray for him. And then he goes over here and he prays three times. <clears throat> Father, if there's another way that we can get everybody back without me drinking their sin, is there another shot? 
And so God says to him, basically what? No. You're the only answer. The cross is the method for the answer. I will resurrect you. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set in front of him, he endured the cross. There was no joy in the cross. There's no joy in him drinking our shame and filth. So he says, For the joy set before him. Now let me, now catch me here. When Jesus finishes the third prayer, right, and he stands up, and he walks off. Now, he knows, right, that he's the only shot we have. And he knows that he, the only way for him to be that shot is he's got to go to the cross and drink our filth. He's never tasted sin. Now, he's got to not just taste it. He's got to digest it for six hours. So his faith is, and God's made that faith clear now, that he's the only shot, cross is the only answer, the resurrection's coming. The way you chase faith is you do what he did. He knew that was true. Now listen. And he acted on that faith, even though there was no basis. When he acts on that faith and he steps back to his boys and says, let's go. And in comes Judas, what happens? Nine guys pack out. Two guys stay, Judas and Peter. Judas will completely deny the faith. Peter will curse Jesus Christ violently. So he goes to the cross. There's nobody. John shows up, but John doesn't buy it. So he's left alone for six hours drinking our sin. One person buys into him on the cross, and one person buys into him at his death. Thief on the cross buys into him when he dies. I mean, right as he's dying, the Roman soldier in the end of Mark buys into him after his death. That's it. Jesus chased faith. He grabbed it. He didn't just believe it was true. He acted on that faith stood on that faith with one guy buying in him when he died and one guy buying in him after he died. (laughs) I still honestly can't process this, right? For over a year and a half, he has told them over and over and over and over and over and over, I'm going to be rejected. They're going to crucify me. What's the next thing he's told him over and over and over? What is it? I'm coming out of the grave. So when he comes out of the grave, any of these guys there? Nobody. You would think at least one of them would have gone, you know, let's take a shot. It's uh, 5.30 in the morning. Maybe he's coming. Nobody's there because they don't buy it. He chased that faith, grabbed it, stood on it, used it, in spite of the fact there wasn't a single reason to do so except what his father told him. There are times in your life when that's it. I had a friend call me this week, a pastor friend. You know, I'd had a 
melanoma come off my back. And he said, I, hey, uh, I'm really struggling with this deal. They've, they're going to cut this thing off my back. It's just driving me crazy. What, what do you do with this? He said, I got little kids, little wife, and pastoring. He said, it's, it's tearing me up. What, what do you do? I said, look, this is going to sound preachery, and it's going to sound really simple. But here's what you do. You go to Psalm 139. It says God's numbered your days. You accept his decision no matter what this means. And if it means your days are numbered, then you trust him to take care of your family. And if your days aren't numbered, you trust him to use you to take care of your family. But you've got to trust what he says even when you don't like it. And I'm telling you, we all have rough times or we have to make some hard faith calls. We have to chase that to the place where we pull it into our life even when we have no reason to buy into it except what he said. So we chase faith. We chase love. He doesn't use philia. We don't chase feeling good. We don't look at things to try to feel good. He chooses agape here. That's what we chase. We chase, and the Greek word agape means I love something because I see the value in it. Uh, Ed Wren and Sherry were on vacation last week, and it's amazing that we didn't hear Ed's name at this deal. So I'm just saying that's the hand of God right there. But Ed and Sherry were at uh, a uh, Trump-supporting rally. They had the bikers there that were doing the protection. And Ed said, he looked at Sherry and said, oh man. And he said, coming around the corner were some Black Lives Matter supporters. So you've got Trump supporters, Black Lives Matter supporters. A&M, Texas. Baylor, whoever. So, not going to be good, right? So sure enough, you know, Black Lives Matter guys start walking up and the guy running kind of the deal looks out and he says, hey, let's do what they wouldn't do for us. And he looks at him and he says, we're going to be patriotic today. I want you to come up. We're going to give you two minutes and you say what you want to say. And we're going to be respectful. So they came up on stage. Guy spoke four or five minutes. Most people were respectful. There were a couple of jeering moments. Somebody said, all lives matter. And he said, I totally agree. The Black Lives Matter guy said, I totally agree. I'm just saying when there are bad cops, they need to be dealt with. But I agree all lives matter. When it was over, I mean, necessarily anybody changed each other's mind. They didn't necessarily feel good about each other. But when it was over, the Black Lives Matter guy went down and people were taking photos of their children with him and families taking photos of each other. Nobody's mad. Nobody's throwing rocks. You didn't hear that on MSNBC, did you? You didn't hear that on CNN. You didn't really hear that on Fox News because those organizations, listen to me, exist to make you divided from each other. As Christians, I don't expect the media to get this. 
I don't expect Washington to get this, but what I do expect is those of us that understand Jesus Christ, we chase love, which means this. Even if we have somebody we don't feel good about, we don't like them, we don't feel good about, we're never going to feel good about them. It doesn't matter. Every single person in this entire world is valuable because he's in the image of God and Jesus died for him. So we're going to chase that. I don't care if you feel good about somebody. You think, those of you married, do you feel good about each other every day? (laughs) Oh, we've never had a fight. Oh, right. And you've never lied. So at any rate, we're going to chase not what we like, but we're going to chase the value in everybody we know. Then we're going to chase endurance we're going to stay with this we're going to endure that greek word literally was used for a woman who would put a water pot on her head now listen she didn't just stand there with a water pot like this she put the water pot on her head and went on about her daily business we're going to chase righteousness we're going to chase godliness we're going to chase love we're going to chase faith no matter what stress we have in our life we are never not moving toward jesus And then the last thing, we're going to chase, it's the only place I could find this in the New Testament, unique little word, it's translated gentleness, kindness, it's actually a Greek word that means composure. It means that no matter how wrong I think I am, I don't attack and bark at those that I think have wronged me. So, when you get on Facebook and you bark because that's the greatest coward's place in the universe, by the way, You can be a coward and bark at anybody on Facebook. But when you get on there and bark because you're not being gentle and kind and you're not chasing that, then you damage the cause of Christ. Let me give you what I think is the perfect example here. Now, I love you, Aggies. Careful, I'm not done. I love you, Aggies. But I've been here 31 years, and when I first came here, you didn't boo at football games, and now you do. We've become barkers. If you struggle with Coach Sumlin, and you're at home, and you're watching a game, and you go, I can't believe he ran the ball instead of passing, okay. You're at home, fine. You're with some friends, fine. But if you're chasing composed kindness, then you don't get on Facebook and bust Coach Sumlin and hide behind your little posting. Because the problem is Coach Sumlin's wife sees that, his children see that, and what does that do to them? It wrecks their heart. Now, if we're going to chase composed kindness in here, we're not going to do that anymore. 
He's the coach at Texas A&M. We're going to honor him with love and respect because that's what we're called to do as children of Christ. You know what would be impressive today? Is if those of us that have busted him on Facebook, if we go home and chase kindness, if we go home and say, you know what? I busted Coach Sumlin here. And I just want those that read my Facebook postings to know something. I want you to know today that I'm apologizing. Because, see, it's going to be tough. If Coach Sumlin's wife drives by this church and their kids drive by this church and they see you coming in church with your Bible and it's held high and you're walking in with it, when they know you just ripped their daddy's heart out, you say, well, no, wait a minute, preacher. Jesus cleaned the temple. That's exactly right. He cleaned God's house. He never went into the Roman Senate. And he cleans God's house of two things, immorality and heresy. If there's immorality and heresy, you get after it. But he's not immoral because he didn't call a pass you wanted. And he's not heretical because he didn't call a run you wanted. You keep your mouth shut unless it's immorality or heresy in this room. So we're going to chase kindness. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go home today. And you're going to post on Facebook. I busted Coach Sumlin. And I want to apologize for doing that to him and his family. Because he's not guilty of immorality or heresy. And I'm not going to bust him and bark at him anymore. <clears throat> I'm going to chase righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and kindness. Because being a child of Jesus Christ is more important than being a fan of Texas A&M. Right. Let's pray. Father, I don't care what anybody else does, and I know you don't either, but those of us that belong to you, let us chase what you want us to chase. Father, pull in our lives today your righteousness. Let us be touched in the soul by your son, not moved by a story. Let us use the faith. Let us endure in it. Let us value every single person you value, even if we don't feel good. And Father, let us chase publicly kindness. So the Father, when people see us walk in this building, they know we're in love with your son. Drive that into every heart in this room. In Jesus Christ's name. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Never met Jesus? Today's a great day to do that. Staff and I are here at the front. God's calling you to be a part of this fellowship. We want you to come. And if you just need to come down here and kneel and pray, you can pray with us, pray alone. As the Father speaks to your heart this morning, you come.